Welcome to Willow Park Church uh, Online. We are so blessed that you've joined us as we continue on the Hidden series. The way that we're understanding the way that God speaks to us and the way that God ministers to us. And I want to encourage you to keep pressing in and perhaps you haven't listened to the sermons or missed some. Can I encourage you to uh, take some time to, to listen and to connect and really see how you can deepen your life with Christ and find that hidden place with him. And also, let's keep praying as we move forward in this pandemic. We want to pray that God's presence and God's power will continue to work. And as we begin this service together, uh, let me pray right now. Father, thank you that we can celebrate your goodness. And Father, thank you that you are with us at this time. And we pray that as we step into the online worship and as we spend this time honouring you, wherever we might be at this moment, whether here in Kelowna, across Canada or around the world, Lord, I pray that a very clear sense of your word and your presence will come. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And I pray as we worship now, come, speak. Encourage us, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy the worship. Welcome, Willow Park Church. Lovely to have you join us today. We're going to start by celebrating. Our first two songs uh, are talking about Jesus calling us by name. So when, when you become a Christian, it's because God's called you by name. It's an individual invitation. So I want you to celebrate that with us. We're going to have some fun singing Glorious Day uh, from the get-go. So let's uh, enjoy this together. Yeah. 
that your love has awoken us from death into life. That because of your sacrifice, you said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Lord, I pray for those who are watching today and needing rest for their souls. Father, I pray that you would by your Holy Spirit, speak to them and reassure them that if they put their trust in you, you will not let them down. You are the solid rock on which they can build their life. Lord, I pray that you would wake our souls up to hunger and seek and thirst after you.
pray that your spirit would fall afresh on us. That where we have been neglectful in spending time with you, that you would nudge us back to dwelling in your presence. That when we have been going in the opposite direction, that you would turn us around and help us to start following in the right way again, the right paths, the ancient paths you've already put in place in the Bible for us to follow. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us this day for your glory. What a way to finish the worship. A, a deep sense of the Holy Spirit as we reminded of his presence in our lives as we draw close to Christ. Drawing close to Christ is really what we want to celebrate and, and connect. And that's why we take communion in these online services. Because we want to create a holy moment, wherever you are, where you can remember Jesus. Where you can remember his love. Where you can just remember his goodness. You know, this last... Uh, Wednesday was, of course, a remembrance uh, day. And at 11 o'clock, we all paused and we remembered those that had given so much for us. I wrote recently a little story in the uh, Courier about Remembrance Day. And it was a story about a group of young men from Liverpool called the Ginger Nuts. Now, why were they called that? 
Well, before they were sent overseas in the First World War, they went on a walking holiday through the Cumbrian Hills. And while they were away, they decided that they would remember each other and say a prayer every week, Sunday evening, at the exact time. Whether they were in the trenches in France or whether they were in North Africa, wherever they were, they were going to remember each other. What they would do would take a ginger biscuit, a ginger cookie, break it off, put it in their mouth and remember each other and say a prayer for each other. In fact, the home parish town where they came from, the parish church, they, they gave out little cookies, ginger cookies, to everybody in the parish to also join in thinking for the lads who were there fighting and protecting and remembering them and praying for them. Hmm. In a way, it was a kind of communion. And when we come together, we remember the greatest sacrifice, the greatest battle that has ever been won. And that was Christ who died upon the cross to defeat sin. And when you defeat sin, what happens is you defeat death. And when you defeat sin, you defeat the devil. And this is what happened when Christ died. So let's take our bread and Father, thank you for this bread. And we do remember that your body was broken for us. And so Lord, we take this bread and remember the body of Christ, which is broken for you. And we take the cup, the blood of Christ, that takes away the sins of the world, and we drink it in remembrance. Thank you, Lord, for your great act of sacrifice. And for this moment where we can take the bread and the wine juice and remember your sacrifice that you gave. Amen. Well, enjoy your messages and may God speak to you through his word. I know he will. Thank you so much. Here is the Willow One News. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. Ladies, you are invited to a special Christmas brunch happening on Saturday, December 5th at Church at 33. This will be a wonderful morning of fellowship, food, and fun, and the cost is $10 per person. Our guest speaker will be Kim Crow. Register today at willowparkchurch.com brunch. Child of Mine is a charity that we support as a church, and they do amazing work for children in India. Unfortunately, due to COVID, we are unable to host their annual fundraising banquet. Instead, they would like to invite you to a special online gathering on Friday, November 20th at 7 p.m. It's gonna be a fun and meaningful time. Learn more about this event and sign up on the Child of Mine website 
at childofmine.ca slash events. If you are 55 plus, we would like to invite you to our monthly hymn sing, which will be happening this Wednesday, November 18th at 10 a.m. at Church at 33. If you would like to attend, please register today at willowparkchurch.com slash hymn. There is nothing that we love more than Christmas here at Willow Park Church, and this year we are giving the gift of Christmas to our community. There are three ways that you can get involved. The first way will be by filling stockings with gifts for people who are vulnerable and alone this Christmas. The second way will be by serving, and we will invite you to join in helping others in need. The third way will be through singing. We are currently working on a way to safely bring the sounds and music of Christmas to communities around Kelowna and Lake Country. Learn more about how you can get involved at willowparkchurch.com slash giftofchristmas. We have all faced challenges these last few months, but we are so encouraged to see God still moving and working through his church. At our annual general meeting last Sunday, we shared a video that highlighted all that God is doing in our church through all of you who are donating, volunteering, and sharing in the mission of Willow Park Church. In case you missed it, we want to show you that video now.
That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Isn't that exciting? Everything that we've been able to continue on and through these last nine months of the pandemic, I think we deserve a round of applause. It's not just for us, it's for you guys, for the church, for Jesus and this community. We're excited to continue on ministering to our, to our congregations and to those that we're surrounded with. And so, thank you for joining me this morning, online church. Thank you for joining. You know, I got to get used to this. This is my first time speaking here while it's online. In Lake Country, which is where I am the campus pastor of, we are actually in like a semicircle. So we've got tables and we've got the semicircle that's around. So I'm constantly looking to my left and my right more because straight ahead there's like two tables. And so they don't get to see my face as much. But, um, and then before that in the theater, the theater is awesome, but the theater you see about half and then you try to look up to see the other half where everybody sits. And uh, you're just looking right into the theater lights. And so uh, I spend my time like preaching like this, like with a scowl almost because of the lights and because of just the nature of the theater. So I'm excited to be here this morning. Hello, Online Church. Hello, Willow Park Church here in Rutland. I'm Jeremy. I'm pastor here. I look after the Lake Country campus. So glad to be with you this morning. First thing before we begin, uh, many of you know Jose and Sylvia Garcia. Uh, we have word that this past week that Jose had a heart attack. Uh, and so we just want to take a moment right now to pray for Jose and Sylvia as uh, Jose is recovering. Uh, there is some infection, I guess, that has taken place because of this. And so uh, let's all bow our heads. People at home watching, let's all agree to this in prayer as we lift up this couple who is over in Spain, uh, being ministers of the gospel. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Garcia family. Lord, we pray, um, Lord, that there will be a comfort upon Jose and Sylvia at this moment, Jesus. We pray for Jose as he is recovering from this. Lord, we pray that um, you give wisdom to the doctors, Lord, as they... um, look after him, Lord, as they uh, take tests, Lord, as they figure out what is happening, Jesus. We just pray for provision, Lord, for them. We thank you that they're an extension of you, Jesus, that you've given them wisdom from you. Lord, we pray for a healing touch upon him, Lord. We pray that, Lord, that he would recover well and quickly. We pray that this infection would be gone. Lord, we pray that you would be with him in the midst of this heart, not only a heart attack, but in the midst of COVID in Spain where it's been hit really hard. And we just pray for this family right now that your peace would be upon them. Sylvia, as she is by, her, uh, by Jose's side, that you would give her comfort in the midst of this. 
for their family, Lord, as they are all over the place. We just pray that they would feel you near to Jesus. We thank you that your presence goes with us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit is what it's called the comforter. Lord, in these moments when we feel the most strain, when we feel the most pain, Lord, the comforter shows up in a mighty way. So we ask for your comfort and your peace. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, we are continuing our series today, Hidden. Um, next week, Pastor Phil will be back here to close off the series. Me and Pastor Phil played tag this week. He went to Lake Country this morning at 9 a.m. Actually, he's back here now. He's actually speaking in the gym, and so he is— he is a marathon man, let's be honest. And so he can run from place to place. I'm pretty sure he didn't drive here. I'm pretty sure he ran. And so uh, we have a great lead pastor and so excited that he is just willing to go to any space to preach. And so you've got me. I'm excited to be here. Um, We're going to read Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. This is the main verse that we're going to camp out in today uh, and touch upon. And then I'm going to give you some practical points that you can take home and use as you continue on with your walk with Christ. The purpose of this series is that it gives you the opportunity to recognize that we need to slow down, that we need to connect with Jesus, that we have these opportunities throughout our day to just take practice slowing down, Recognizing Jesus, letting his spirit speak to us. So, let's read this. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This series, we're trying to give you what I like to call practical, spiritual practical tools that we can use as we walk with Jesus. The last handful of messages, you probably have realized that there's a lot of these like, hey, these are some of the things you can do to hear from God. These are some things we can get rid of in order to hear God better. And so what we're going to talk about today is how we can practice slowing down in the midst of our anxiousness, in the midst of our fear. You might think a lot of this past nine months, right, we've experienced a pandemic that's been happening. And you know what? Things have slowed down, but actually, you know what? Things take longer. And things actually, for sometimes, sometimes it feels like it's more work to get things done. So what the big thing that has happened is this, is that our rhythm has been changed, And when our rhythm is changed, we experience this anxiety, especially because once our rhythm has changed, we are trying to create a new rhythm. But the problem with trying to create a new rhythm right now is that there's just so much uncertainty on what's going to take place next month. At the beginning of the pandemic, really the one anxiety that we had at the beginning was this. Can I get toilet paper? 
This was the big anxiety. We're like, can I get toilet paper? Where can I get toilet paper at Costco? It's like Game of Thrones in there. And so people are going after trying to get toilet paper from each other. We got battling families. It was an unbelievable scene. Our family, we thought about buying a bidet. This is a true story. And so we're like, if we buy a bidet, first, we don't have to worry about toilet paper. Second, we have a fun water park activity in the house for our kids. And so... um, we took a vote. I was the only one who voted for the bidet. And then, anyways, this was a big problem, like, right at the beginning. But what's happened now, after nine months, is that we just still, we feel that anxiousness. We feel that anxiety. Because there's rumblings of possibly it shutting down again, or it slowing down again, right? Manitoba, this past week, they have just shut down the province again. Saskatchewan, there was 350-some-odd doctors that went to legislature. I'm not sure. They broke all the rules. Uh, Maybe they zoomed in. But they were calling that we need to do something to stop the virus. We don't have this contained. Right? Fraser Valley, they have tightened up restrictions. Ontario, they just rolled out new restrictions yesterday. And then we have our prime minister telling all the premiers, hey, we need to do something. We're not going to get this under control. We don't have this under control right now. And so this rhythm, it's hard to create a new rhythm out of the one that's been already, you know, the one that's been displaced. Because we just don't know. And with this brings anxiety, it brings fear, it brings an unknown. It's hard to, you know, to get into this space again of just feeling that comfort of Christ. Much of you don't know me. Um, I like to start with a story. And the reason to start with a story is this. There's power in our testimony, power in the things that we've experienced. It helps you recognize, you know, it's something about myself, but really it recognizes what Christ has done within my life. And so this is why we tell a story. This is why it's part of our preaching, because it helps us connect to the scripture that we're about to continue to delve into. So I have four kids. Amazing, I know, because um, I look 26, right? Come on. But um, I'm having a birthday this week. I'll be 36. Uh, I have four of them. So three boys, one girl. Our youngest, Evie, three years ago, uh, sh- at seven months, she started having seizures. And so uh, we were in Saskatchewan at this time, uh, living in a place called Eston, Saskatchewan. Does anybody know where that's at? I got one hand raised. There we go. Oh, two. Here we go. Three. Can I get a fourth? No, just kidding. Um, Eston, small town. We live two hours from Saskatoon. Uh, and so Evie started doing this thing that looked like she was sneezing, but her, finch, her fist would clench, and she would kind of close her eyes and tilt her head forward, and after she would cry. And so we thought maybe something nasally, because you know, she had just had a cold, and, and something was going on with that. Uh, but after about... A handful of times, we're like, you know, this doesn't seem right. So my wife drives all the way up to Saskatoon, goes to emerge. They're like, well, she's checking out okay. And they couldn't see, like, she showed them the picture, and they're like, she had a videotape of what was happening. And they're like, well, maybe it's seizures. I don't know. Like, well, maybe we'll get her something for her nasal, like, for her nose and the nasal cavities to clear it up. We get home, and Kim's like, I don't think it's seizures. And then she's watching her phone, like, uh, videos of, you know, kids with seizures, and she's like, well, maybe it is seizures. So the next morning, we wake up, and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, if we lived in Saskatoon, what would you do? She's like, I'd just get admitted. 
get it admitted right away. I was like, well, I think that answers your question. And so she goes up to Saskatoon, admits Evie. The doctor comes out, sees the videos, and he's like, thanks for the videos. He's a specialist for kids in this area. He's like, I know what this is. This is called infantile spasms. And my wife was like, oh, this is okay. Like, you know, you hear spasms, you know, you think of like some muscle problems. But he's actually like, no, this is worse than seizures. He's like, there's 70% of these infantile spasms, there's an underlying issue. The other 30%, you know, it's, uh, it just happens. And so we need to do a CT scan to see if there's something wrong with your daughter. So here she is, admitted in the hospital with Evie, possibility of something being really wrong with her. And I'm here at home with three boys trying to detain the craziness and also trying to calm my nerves and my anxieties and my fears. I remember that time, though, that just feeling helpless, but recognizing I, no matter if I was there, I would still be helpless. What can I do? I could be fearful, I can be anxious, I can be all those things. Or I can simply recognize my king and take my prayers and my supplications to him and lay everything down at his feet. And so in the midst of this, that's what I did. Somehow, in the midst of all this happening with our daughter, we had such peace. The good thing is there was no underlying issue and they gave us these steroids. And I can, you know, there's a vial probably like as big as my, pink, or my pointer figure here. And this vial of steroids cost $900. So we had three vials of these. And we had to administer 18 shots to her over the span of two weeks to order the seizures to stop. In the midst of this, we had peace. There's some hard times for sure. But we had this peace. There's something about when you have peace in a situation that it speaks to other people. Obviously, Christ cares about us, and he wants to give us peace, and he wants to tank our anxiety and cast our fears as far as the east is from the west. But when we lay down those anxieties and those fears to the Lord, it's not only a testimony that, to us of what the Lord can do, but it's a testimony to people as they see our lives, and they see the peace that we have. Now we have this perfect opportunity. Like, how are you not a mess in the midst of this? How are you not feeling just totally downtrodden and sick? And it's like, well, let me tell you why. We have this king. His name is Jesus. He sits on the throne and he gives me a peace that passes all understanding. We have this testimony now when we cast our fears and anxieties upon his feet that we can now share the gospel in a mighty way. Continue on. What Christ he wants to do is he wants to change our anxiety to praise. He wants to change the anxieties that we're feeling, the fears that we're feeling. He wants those to become praise. In this scripture in Philippians, we see how this happens. And I want to take a moment, and I'm going to walk through just this scripture a bit more, verse by verse, give you some nuggets to take home, give you some things to chew on, give you some food, and I want to give you some practical points to take home and use when you are in your quiet time, in order when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling fearful. And so, these are my, I used, I worked at a college, Eston College, I was a teach, taught there. This is my teacher coming out with me. I got whatever this is called, the clicker. This is like a teacher's dream, and so I don't have this in Lake Country because we tear down every Sunday and set up every Sunday, but here we go. First verse, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. If you have a pen, paper, if you have your phone and the notes app open, whenever you're doing, write this down. Rejoicing is the number one combat against anxiety. 
is what we can do to combat anxiety. Despite the circumstances of this letter, Paul, he wasn't just like, he didn't just plant this church and was on the high and the euphoria of planting it. He didn't just go have this rally and thousands were saved. Paul was in jail when he wrote this letter. But in this letter to the Philippians, it speaks about joy more often than any letter. Because Paul's joy isn't circumstantial like our world's joy. We try to get joy and be happy when everything's quiet and calm. Yeah, it's easy to be happy in those moments, but it's hard to have joy in the midst of trouble. Paul, he was confident that his God was still king in the midst of all this, in the midst of the jail cell. There's this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or to take offense. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures that we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. And this is huge, this last statement. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. Rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in Him, recognizing what He has done, telling the testimonies of how He's been good in your life. This is the number one compact to your anxieties to fear, recognizing what He has done. I tell, I tell my students this. I was like, we need to look back in order to look forward. Because when we look back, we see how good He's been. We see what He's done. And then when we look forward, forward doesn't seem so bad now. Verse 5 continues, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul, he uses an interesting word for gentleness here. It's actually pronounced this, and I'm going to give it my best shot. Epi-Ikea. It's spelled E-P-I-E-I-K-E-E-I. And that word is used to translate gentleness. But this word, epipikeia, is actually one of the, like, most untranslatable Greek words out there. And because of that, there's other translations for epipikeia. That's patience, softness, the patient mind, modesty, forbearance, the forbearing spirit. But the Greeks themselves, they would, spe- they would say epipikeia is this. Justice in something better than justice. They would say epipikeia is justice in something better than justice. And so when a man has gentleness, or a woman has gentleness, has this quality of epipikeia, it knows when he is not to apply the strict letter of the law, but when to relax justice and introduce mercy. So it's actually justice and something better than justice. And what is better than justice? Mercy. So we, letting our gentleness be evident to all, That means we are extending mercy to all. A good example of epipikeia, of gentleness, is when Jesus showed gentleness with the woman who was taken in adultery in a setup, right? And brought to Jesus. She was brought to Jesus, and she's like, this— they're like, this woman has committed adultery. She slept with some odd people. What what are we supposed to do? This was a challenge that was faced with Jesus— And you know what? She's there and she knows what the law says. She knows what should be done to her. She knows that she should be stoned, that she should be killed. And she's just out there on the floor. And Jesus, he gets down and he starts writing in the sand too. And then he says, 
who has not sinned, cast the first stone. And they recognize uh, that we have all sinned, and they walk away. The Christian, the follower of Jesus, as Paul sees it, is the man who knows there is something beyond justice. There's something beyond justice. When the woman was taken and brought before him, Jesus could have applied the letter of the law. He could have said, you know, this is what should, be, should happen, but he went beyond justice. He showed mercy. This word, epibakeia, gentleness, describes the heart of a person who will let the Lord fight his battles. When we are gentle, when we're hum- humbled, when we are patient, when we just recognize, you know what, I, what I deserve is, you know, a death, but what Jesus came and he showed me mercy, we recognize that we just can sit in his presence in the gentleness of the Lord. That frees us from our anxieties because we know he'll battle for us. We know he'll take care of us. We know he'll look after us. It's a person who is really free to let those anxieties, those fears go. And that the Lord will take up your cause. And it continues to verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Be anxious for nothing. This is a command. It's not an opinion. He wants us to be anxious for nothing. Because when we take up anxiety, when we fear, when we take up something and we try to handle it, we actually now become the owner of it. We become the ruler of it. We're actually, we are saying, you know what? This is mine. We become not the child of the house anymore, but we become the father of the house. And we think that we can look after everything that we are going through. We take rulership of the house from God. We become the ones who are in control, the ones now directing the circumstances. And we know sometimes we're not the best at directing our own circumstances. I've had some, some quality screw-ups in my life. And you know what? We could be here for the rest of the night, but nobody brought pajamas. And so where I can go through all of the mistakes that I've made. But how do we give our anxiety back to the Lord? How do we do this? How do we give it to him when we've taken it? And it's simply by this, by prayer. By prayer. Paul wrote that everything is proper subject of prayer. So we can take everything to the Lord in prayer. We say, and take it to the Lord in prayer. Classic hymn. I didn't do it justice. But there is not some areas in our life that he's not concerned with. He's literally concerned with it all. He cares about every detail. Prayer and petition. These are two Aspects of prayer, they are very similar, but they're very distinct. Prayer is a broader word that can mean all of our communication with God. So everything that we do, when we're talking with him, that's prayer. When we're bringing you know, something forward that we're going through, that's prayer. When we're praising him in our quiet spaces, that's prayer. It encompasses everything. It's our communication with God. But supplication directly asks God to do something. So we do a lot of praying, thanking him, giving, and asking him to, you know what, into this situation. But we need to ask him to do something. It's not that we have this power to make him do it. Like, oh, I got your arm now, God. Here you go. But we come to him with everything, with our requests. And he might know what you're thinking. He might know what you really want. But as a father, he wants to hear you speak it out. 
I would be sad if my kids didn't ask me for the ridiculous things that they ask me for. I would not be able to say no to them. And so, but when they ask me for, like, Dad, can I have a car? And, like, Zion's nine. I'm like, you know, that's crazy talk. But I'm glad you have boldness to come and ask me. I'm glad you have boldness to come talk to me. I'm glad you have boldness to come make requests. Let's, let's talk about this a little more. What do you really want? Well, I want to be old enough to drive. Well, you know, drink your milk and eat some cereal, eat some fruits, play some, you know, at car games at the arcade, and we'll eventually get there. God already knows our request, but he wants to partner with us. He is about our participation. He wants us to come be alongside him. He wants us to chat. He wants us to chat with him. He, does, he just so longs to draw us cl- to be close with him. Right? We think about what he has done for us, the price that he's paid, everything that he's done. I think he wants to be close with us. He don't want to be like, yo, I did that for you. I died on the cross. Peace. You know, I, you know if it's really urgent, you know what? slide me a note under the door or whatever. Like, he's not like that. He paid the highest price and he wants to have the closest relationship with us. And when we come to him, we need to come with thanksgiving. We need to come with this thankful heart. Because when we come with a thankful heart, when we pray to him, and we are thank- we're speaking out the things that we are thankful for that he has done, it guards against whining, complaining spirit before him, and we can easily make our request known. It actually changes our request. Because we feel actually thankful for what he's done. And so our request is more grounded. He is saying in this verse that it is possible. Paul is saying it, it is possible to be anxious for nothing, to pray about everything, and to be thankful for anything. Paul is saying we can be anxious for nothing, Pray about everything and be thankful for anything. Verse 7, it continues, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible describes three aspects of peace that relate to God. Peace from God. So Paul continually used this as an introduction to his letters, right? We read the letter, the Pauline letters, and it's, he always begins, or usually begins, Peace to you, brothers. It reminds us that our peace comes to us as a gift. He's saying, peace has come to you. Peace is being Jesus. It's come to you as a gift. Then there's peace with God. This describes a relationship that we enter into with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we, to have peace with God, we accept Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, and now we have peaceful relationship with God through Jesus. Then there's the peace of God. And this is what it's talking about here in verse 7. This is the peace spoken about. It is beyond all mind. That is beyond our power of thinking. It isn't like the, it's a senseless or therefore impossible to understand. This isn't like, you know, a peace man, like, like hippies from the 70s type thing, you know, Woodstock. This isn't that type of peace. It's like, oh, I'm not still worried about anything. Because it's impossible not to do that. But this peace goes beyond our ability to explain. 
Therefore, it, all, it must be experience. It's hard to explain my experience when I experience this peace with uh, Christ in the midst of a hard situation with Evie. Experiencing it, it's a whole different piece, like different level. You recognize that you're just covered by an amazing blanket of comfort. This piece doesn't just surpass the understanding of the worldly man, it surpasses all understanding. Even the godly man can't comprehend this piece. It's hard to me to look back and think, how was I so calm in the midst of that? How are we so calm in the midst of our, like in the midst of that anxiety, that fear? How do we have that peace? I look back and it gives me anxiety. But I know it was God directing me, guiding me, me drawing close to him, him filling me with his comfort. See, God guards our, your hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This word guard, it literally speaks of a military word. word. And so it's like they're standing on guard. Jesus is standing in front. He is protecting you. He is in your mind. He is protecting against the things. That's the kind of peace that he's talking about here. He guards your mind. When we seem to lose our minds, when we seem that we lose our hearts, it's often because we realize that we have this absence of Jesus in our hearts and our, heart, in our minds. The peace of God that does not act as a guard. This is the peace of God that acts as a guard to our hearts and our minds. This is the peace that is a guard in our heart, to our hearts and our minds. Speaking two sermons, the voice, it's starting to go. I'm going to power through. I only usually said to speak one at Lake Country. Finally, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Noble, just, pure, lovely, admirable. These things are praiseworthy. Like, what are these things? Like, I'm supposed to think about something that is pure, something that is, like, lovely? Well, gold is pure. Am I supposed to think about gold? Like, I love gold. You know what? It's, we get some gold rings, some gold necklaces, some gold teeth. I don't know. I mix it up a little bit here. Do I'm supposed to think about that? Lovely. Well, my dog is lovely. So if I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling fearful, you know, I'll go lay on the floor with poodles and snuggle him a little bit. I don't have a dog named Poodles. I wish I did. Wait, the queen, she's noble. So if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling fearful, do I just, should I, you know, think about the queen? Think about how old she is, how wise she is. All these adjectives, everything in here that Paul is saying, it points to someone who is lovely to someone who is pure, to someone who is truth, to someone who is admirable, to someone who is right. It points to someone who is noble. A noble, the definition of noble is someone who has high morals and ideals or people who are royalty or who have good breeding. An example of noble is a person who is always honest and charitable. An example of noble is a king. There's only one king that I know of, and his name is Jesus. And so when he's saying, think nobly, focus nobly, think about someone who is lovely, you think about the king. Think about someone who is admirable, you think about the king. Think about someone who is truth, you think about the king. Our noble is King Jesus. 
When we focus our mind on noble things, we recognize that we are heirs to the king, that we are royalty with him. And that royalty lives inside of us. Jesus lives inside of us. And that he has defeated all. And that victory is in us and over our fears and anxieties and everything that we're going through this moment. When we focus focus on our noble king. Because the battle is this for our mind. Phil just, he explained it to me. He's like, what we're trying to do here is like, I was thinking like a big rowboat. And there's somebody in the back of the rowboat shouting and they're all rowing at one moment. And so they're focused on that voice. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to focus you on that voice so we can move together forward. So you can move. So we don't have one paddle going this way, one paddle going this way, and you feel like you're going all over the place in your life. In verse 9, this focus on our noble, focus on our king. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And this is what we want to leave you with as we're going to begin to close here. I want to give you practical, spiritual practical tool to take so you can practice. That's a lot of prick, pra, 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 pra. That's all, folks. Um, <laughs> as we, as you head home, there's this principle. It's called STAR. It's an acronym. And in this, you have this, I want you to write down some of these, this practice that you can take when you feel anxious, when you feel fearful. STOP is the first in the STAR acronym. So we have STAR, you can write out STAR. The first, S, STOP. So we stop, don't fix the problem, person, or situation. Science has shown us this, that when we are tired or when we're overwhelmed, our ability to actually think is muddied. Muddled? It's not good. (laughs) Our ability to think, it's hindered. Think about those times when, you know what, you've made a poor decision or you've had an argument. Usually it's because maybe you're a bit tired, you're a bit overwhelmed, you're a bit anxious, you're a bit fearful. When we are exhausted, we need to sleep. We need to rest. We need to recognize that, you know what, I need to slow down. I need to stop. Sometime, when I got married, a great man, he said, you know what, never go to bed angry. I think that this is maybe not the best of advice because, you know, sometimes when you get upset, it might be late. And you know what, when you're tired and you're a little bit frustrated, you know what, that, that fight can maybe continue on. And as it continues on into the night, right, you're not getting, oh, I'm suddenly refreshed. It's one o'clock and you're still like, no, this is it. Like, I'm going to win. And so you're like battled down. You're ready to go. When we've, my wife and I, when we had a disagreement and it's been a bit late, or maybe we recognize our day has been a bit chaotic, we're like, let's go to bed. This isn't us like sweeping it under the, <laughs> under the, under the bed and saying, no, it's going to fix itself. But we always revisit it the next morning. We recognize then, you know what? Maybe where I was wrong, or maybe where she was wrong, which was once or twice. And so, um, but we recognize that we need to stop because when we're fearful, when we're anxious, when we're tired, when we're overwhelmed, usually things don't get figured out easily. So when you're feeling this, stop. Don't try to fix it right away or the person or the situation. Just stop. T, take a breather. 
and calm down. This is huge for us because our society doesn't want us to stop. It wants us to continue going. If we're not busy, we're doing this world wrong is what they say. We need to be busy. We need to keep things going. You ask somebody how you've been doing. Oh, busy. But there's no shame in stopping, taking a breath, calming down. Psalm 46.10 says this, and I'm sure we've heard this every Sunday in this series. And maybe it's the thing that we need to take. One point from this whole series is this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Stop. Calm down. Quiet yourself. Take a deep breath. There's something therapeutic that actually is like our bodies recognize that we need to stop. Take a deep breath. This isn't like weird science. This is actually the Lord created our bodies and he recognizes breathing and breathing in and breathing out and taking that moment is what we need to do. Isaiah 30, 15 says this, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. He said, In returning and rest you shall be saved. Rest you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. These are very like calming things that he called us to do, to rest, to have quietness, to be trustful. Then we'll find our strength. Take that deep breath. Calm down. Stop. Take a breath. Next is appreciate and connect to Jesus. Once we've done this, once we've stopped, once we've taken a moment and let our world quiet around us and take a deep breath, we can now appreciate and connect to Jesus. And we can do this through worship, through praising him. When we focus on Jesus and the things he has done for us and provided for us, we find our hearts begin to change. Something changes inside of us. My uh, two boys, the middle one, Zion and Jude, I had in a fight the other day. You know, it's Zion, and they're just not getting on good terms. Zion, you hurt Jude. What do you need to say to Jude? Jude, you deserved it. So what? No, that's not what you say, Zion. Uh, <laughs> We need to think about this again. <laughs> Let's try this again. Uh, Zion, what do you say to Jude? I'm sorry, I guess. Uh, that's not really like the best, you know? Because it's easy for us to say that we're thankful for something or to say that we're sorry, but not actually think about it and actually mean it. And so that's why stopping and taking a breath and recognizing that we need to slow down is good for us. Zion, why don't you go sit on your bed for a second? Why don't you think about it? Well, think about how that would make you feel if Jude did that to you. I mean, you think about uh, your brother and like all the good times that you've had. You know, think about um, what you should actually say. He sits on his bed five minutes, ten minutes, comes back, and he gives this heartfelt thank you. He stopped to take time to appreciate his brother. We need to stop take time. Not just say, I'm thankful for this, Jesus. I'm thankful for, thankful for the food. I'm thankful for uh, my family. I'm thankful for this. I can rattle off things that I'm thankful for, but not actually mean that I'm thankful for them. Because I actually haven't sat and thought about what it means to me. Then the last is respond. Respond in faith and love. Do the right thing. Obey the direction you receive from the Lord. Once we have connected with, to God, the God of peace, and received his heart and direction 
for the situation we are facing, then we can respond. When we do this, when we stop, we take a breath, we appreciate, then there's something that happens within us that now we can respond to the situation that we see in front of us. And that Christ takes those anxieties and fears, and now we know how to move forward. We listen, we trust, we obey. This is what he's calling us to do. I'm just going to close in prayer. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming out. I appreciate uh, seeing everybody. It's exciting to see new faces. Excited to, you know, to be online. For those who are, you know, are staying at home, hello. For those in Lake Country, hello. Who are staying on home, it's good to see you. Um, I'm glad that we can do this together still. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our noble, that you are our king. Lord, that you want us to focus on you when we feel the weight of the world on us. To focus on the one who is lovely, to focus on the one who is pure, to focus on the one who is truth, to focus on the one who is admirable. This is noble thinking. We need to think as nobles, recognizing that's who you are, and we have this relationship with our king that makes us royalty too, that gives us power because of the power inside of us. So Father, we pray as we move forward throughout this week, as we face uncertain situations, as we face uncertain relationships, uncertain things at work, as we face uncertain things in our world, Lord, then we feel the anxiousness and the fear of that weighing down upon us. We're not sure what tomorrow, what the next week looks like. Lord, we recognize that you are the king and we can rest assured in you. So Lord, let us practice being connected to you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Church Online, for joining this morning. Have a great rest of the day.